Hello there. Welcome along to the podcast, Sport and Life. How are you? Thank you for hitting on the button. Gloomy, wet Wednesday. Been out for a jog, so feeling fairly fired up for this. And looking forward to introducing this podcast with boxing trainer John Pittman for you. Thank you to the sponsors, first and foremost, Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. Check out Jason Briggs and his team, Bang & Olufsen, of Cheltenham's website and, of course, on social media. Um, <clears throat> I know they're running some football teams through, kind of through there, through Jason as well, the Bishop's Cleave team. Hope they're doing well. AFC Cheltenham, I believe, is their name, even though they're based in, in Bishop's Cleave. Thank you to Bangalofson for their support and for restoring my father's Bangalofson 1960s record player that he inherited from his father, my granddad, who lived in Germany and brought the player out there in the 1960s in Frankfurt. So I know that's coming along nicely. Thanks to Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham for that. Thank you to cytoplan.co.uk for the continued association with the podcast. My father, Dr. Mark Draper, nutritionist and general practitioner, big advocate of Cytoplan supplements for two decades now. And with the code DRAPER10R, there has been a change to the discount code. So if you've been using the old one, just change to this one. It is DRAPER10, all capital letters, D-R-A-P-E-R, the numbers one, zero, and then the capital letter R, at the end. So it's Draper 10R if you want 10% discount off Cytoplan food-based supplements. So it's digested and absorbed into the body in a similar way to food. That is the theory. My father reckons that so uh, soil samples in the UK show diminished uh, trace elements like selenium and zinc and vitamin D3, of course, as we head into the winter, unless you're someone who's a farmer or outdoors a lot. Uh, we're all tethered to a desk, aren't we? A lot of us doing Zoom calls and Teams calls and all that kind of stuff. Really important to get vitamin D3 to boost the immunity in the face of COVID-19, of course, but also just the regular coughs, colds, flus that we are assailed by at uh, this time of year. Right, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for uh, the guest today, real uh, kind of intriguing character, John Pittman, boxing trainer. One of the reasons I love the sport is the inspiring characters you meet who are big integral figures in their community. Now, John is the trainer of British super lightweight champion really really rival also commonwealth champion won both titles against philip bowes last month after that fight being cancelled twice before so that's john's sort of chief charge in terms of profile but he's working with a lot of boxers professional and amateur at the fight factory in gloucester and also members of the public kids but adults helping them boost the physical health the psychological health the confidence boosting effects of just boxing training of physically enhancing yourself the, the sense of self-respect and self-worth so he's really interesting character on that and it follows his own story as well and what boxing gave him as a somewhat wayward youth so I hope you enjoy this with the boxing trainer, John Pittman. Thank you, guys. Here we go. And we are recording. John Pittman, how are you, sir? Thank you for your time this morning. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, great. Um, how, how's it been? And I just wanted to talk about, obviously, first of all, really, really rivals. Fantastic win in the British and Commonwealth titles. What, what was that night like for you? Um, it's a bit of a strange one, to be honest. It was, um, it was also it was amazing, obviously, for him to to achieve what he has. Mm. Um, it's been like ten years of hard work to get there. Um, with you know some setbacks on the way, with the fights cancelled and uh, whatever. And um, the f I didn't quite, um, I didn't quite think the time out of the ring would affect him as much as it did. Really? Um, 
yeah, I, you know, he, it was a good performance because, you know, Philip Bowes, you know, made it difficult. His game plan was to sort of fire and hold, fire and hold type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, thought, I also thought that really um, he did struggle a little bit with with getting into the fight. And um, he just, like, the year out really affected him more than I thought it would. And if you look at a lot of the other fighters who haven't um, boxed in uh, some time, yeah. you know, Lewis Ritson, um, Lomachenko at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, yeah, you thought that was Lomachenko. That was part of the reason he made such a slow start, maybe. You know, I, I just think it has affected a lot of fighters a lot more than what, than what you know, we thought it would. And also, with there being no crowd there, um, I think there's times in a fight where the crowd can really lift you, whether it's rival fans um, cheering and, and that's spurring you on or your own fans cheering and that's spurring you on. I mm. think that affects um, some fighters as well. Mm. Um, on the whole, I thought it was a really good performance from Riddy. I thought it was, Bose yeah. was better than I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, he was, he was definitely sort of a level above how well I thought he was going to be. Mm. Um, we knew he was good, but um, at 36 years old, I was thinking, oh, you know, he's, he, he's got to be <laughs> sort of on the slide and all the rest of it. And to be fair to him, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was, you know, very good for um, his age. Mm. Um, it was a bit unfortunate, really didn't sort of get into a rhythm and, and allow to, to sort of box a little bit more. But at the same time, you know, Philip Bowes did well to implement his game plan and, and, and stop him doing that. So it's, it's interesting because it's obviously a landmark night for Riddy, but you're sort of, I guess, being objective in your analysis. Is that important, do you think, when you look at it, not just even at a landmark result winning titles, Commonwealth and British, that you, you review the performance, not just look at the results? It seems like you're looking at it in a sort of holistic way there. Yeah, don't get me wrong. It, 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 you know, Riddy, Riddy still beat a very good opponent, you know, yeah. and, and he's still. I thought that there was times when he was on the verge of getting Philip Bowes out of there. Um, so on the whole, yeah, we were really happy with his performance. Um, the only thing that I would that was a bit disappointing was when he actually won. Without the crowd there, it does take a lot of the shine off it. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who support really all over the country who've been up to Sunderland when he was boxing Glenfoot. Um, you know, in, in Gloucester, in York Hall, um, and to not be able to share that moment with those people um, was was a little bit, it did take a little bit of a shine off it. Mm. I mean, it was awesome that he won, and, you know, this, we didn't see the scenes back in Gloucester until after, and everyone <laughs> was going crazy. And, but to not have them people around the ring um, was, was a little bit... Um, Oh, you know, he's won the title and the new, and that was it. What, what, what was it? Like, what was it like that night? Then driving back, was it? Was it surreal? Well, were, you, were you guys excited? I, what was the feeling like? I sort of drove back with Tony Borg. Mm. Um, it took ages before really, because obviously the the um, the UCAD people have to do their drug testing and all the rest of it, and you know you can get quite dehydrated through a twelve round fight. Mm. So you know it can take you a long time to to. Um, give a urine sample. Yeah. So I don't think we left the venue till gone 12. Um, 
Riddle's brother was outside watching in his car. Um, mm. So, so Riddy ended up driving back with him. Um, I drove back with Tony Borg, and um, it was it was it was amazing in one way that you know he's actually done it, but it didn't sink in for a couple of days really. Yeah. Um, and his no, brother, right. his, so his brother couldn't come into the arena. His brother had to work because his brother's no, a huge, huge part of his boxing story, isn't he? Really yeah, he is. I mean, like Kane is, um, you know, he, he's always there to support Riddy, and you know, he's he's quite a big influence on him as well. And I think he sort of took his chances wherever he could. He could sort of slip in the back door type of thing, <laughs> but you know, it wasn't happening anyway. So yeah. you know, he, he he waited outside, watched the watched the fight on his phone. Um, so, so really ended up driving back separately from me. Mm. Um, it was just, it was an amazing night in the fact that we actually achieved it or he actually achieved it, you know, but we've been sort of a partnership for so long that, mm. um, he said it was like a marriage. <laughs> your, is it your, your, your other half says that he's, he's like the third wheel or third, third person in the relationship. Do you know what people don't, it's such a complicated relationship with Riddy because um, he's so many different people rolled into one. He can be the easiest person to work with. He can be the hardest person to work with. Um, but the, the, the main problem with working with Riddy is he has got no concept of time. Really? Um, honestly, he, he is just like, he <laughs> runs on a completely different clock to everybody else. So what's the training, so, training times and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you've just got to sort of try and plan your, because I mean, obviously I run a busy gym as well. Yeah. Um, I've got an amateur side. I've got a, a busy fitness side. I've got other pro fighters. I've got, you know, a lot of people coming and going. So I'm trying to plan my day. And um, <laughs> it's just, it's so difficult to like, plan your day when I have to tell him like sometimes right if we're training at three I have to tell him to be there at half two yeah um so he, he, he will come in somewhere Andy but having said that you know he's he's been such a big part of like my life for for, for the last 10 years mm. down to the you know I can remember getting up at like four in the morning to watch a Mayweather fight <laughs> coming downstairs in in my dressing gown and he's, he's like, led on my setting, drinking my <laughs> beer, wearing my slippers. Do you know what I mean? And wow. I'm like, I don't even know how he got in the house. What, because so, his, his brother sort of, he said his, his brother was setting up with sort of street sparring when he was a kid. And then he came into your gym as a sort of, what, mid-teens? What was that, what was that like when you, when you came across him? Did you realise straight away there was a, a talent there? Yeah, you could see straight away that, that he was different. Um, you know, he's... He's never boxed a conventional, he's never had like a conventional style. Mm. But um, the one thing that always struck me about him right from the start was how tough he was, you know, like, and he was, he is absolutely fearless as well. You know, he doesn't, it doesn't phase him whether he's getting in the ring with somebody who's a light heavyweight, somebody who's a middleweight. It just, and, and sometimes I've had to say to him, listen, it's, this is not a good idea. You know, th there's weight classes for a reason type of thing. Yeah, but he's got absolutely no fear of anybody. He's he's so confident in himself. Um, the thing that I found the hardest when he first came to the gym was right training. Training is six o'clock. Yeah, he, he he turned up at quarter past half past six. 
So, mm. so sometimes I'd send them home. Mm. Um, it's that discipline, you're trying to breed that discipline, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, what's good for one is you can't have people just turning up when they feel like it. Um, and, and part of boxing is being able to, to be disciplined. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. It's, you know, that is the one thing that people who have boxed, whether it's amateur level or whatever level, will, will always say to you that, you know, it's, you've got to have the discipline. Um, so sometimes I, I'd send them home. I wouldn't let them train. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't let them spar. Did that, did that um, help? Did that help? Did that make him more more kind of punctual? Yeah, it did, it did up to a certain extent. But when you've got a kid who's probably never had um, those sort of timescales before, mm. you know, he used to turn up to school sort of ten o'clock, nine o'clock, you know, half past nine, and and he'd, he'd always be getting in trouble for the fact that he, he just wouldn't turn up on time. Mm. So when you've had a kid who's never lived by a sort of clock. And yeah. then all of a sudden you're trying to, um, you're trying to, you know, instill this in, discipline into him. You know, he was never ever rude. He was never, um, he was never sort of um, confrontational or anything. No, no, nothing like that. You know, he, he always accepted um, what I told him. I always told him why I was doing it, um, and he did get better, but. After after a while, you sort of have to expect that it's sort of um, mm. you have to accept that some kids are not the same as others. Yeah, um, you have to admire that freedom. That freedom he has is quite interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of boxers. I was, I was listening to Chris Eubank Jr. recently. He was saying that he's training with Roy Jones Jr. out in the states in Florida, I believe, and he was saying that he he, he does the same thing every day, and and that works with Roy because Roy wants his schedule sorted and stuff like that. But you think. So a lot of boxers do the same thing every day, don't they? At a certain time, but it's interesting that really has that confidence in a way and that sort of relaxation to just just pitch up and do it when he feels like it. It's it's, it's different in well, a way. His problem is, is he he will think about what he's doing at that time. So I say to him, listen, you need to plan your day. You need to think about what you got to do the night before, and and because everything I do is by time. So I'm yeah. I'm a little bit. I'm sort of like the absolute opposite. I'm probably OCD on, I don't like being late for anything. Mm. If I tell you I'm going to be there at 10, I'll be there at 10 too. And mm. I'm, I'm pretty OCD about time. So yeah. it's probably maybe part of me and part of him as well, where he's like on one end and I'm on the other. It's <laughs> um, also, tra it almost translates into his boxing. He's quite unorthodox, isn't he? I was speaking to Spencer Fearon, who was doing, the analysis, I think, for MT MTK that night and for ESPN. He's a former boxer, but he's worked as an analyst at Sky Sports and elsewhere. And he was just saying that he's going to be really hard to beat, really, because I know he's not getting a lot of knockout wins, but he's actually very difficult and rangy and, and just awkward to be in with, isn't he? You know, people don't realise that he hits a lot harder than what people think he does. People yeah. are saying, oh, you've got no power, uh, you, can't, you, know, you haven't got any knockouts, but he's nearly stopped probably f four of his last opponents yeah um, he hasn't quite um he hasn't quite got the power developed um, but it's we're working on it and he does hit harder than what people think mm. but he's got such a good chin i've seen him spar so many rounds with like o'hara davis ricky burns you know mm. really good quality fighters and i've seen o'hara davis hit him and his head literally spin around on his shoulders. 
um, we were at, it was when um, it was at the matchroom gym and right. everyone was like whoa and really just bangs his gloves together as and, and, and says you know come on and um, you know he's got such a good chin and he is so long isn't he, it that that weight as well but his ring intelligence is is also um, second to none you know he hasn't had the um, the luxury of the GB setup where you know you've got all the all the best um, amateur trainers and the best um, strength and conditioners and or you know the best of everything at your disposal you know we we've had to come up the hard way and um, being from Gloucester which is not a rugby city well it's a rugby yeah rugby know, yeah yeah not, yeah not a boxing yeah. sorry it is a Gloucester's a rugby city so it's not a boxing city so um, when when I when I got my pro license. I don't think there have been any boxing in any pro boxing in Gloucester for 30 years. Wow. So we've had to learn on the job really. Yeah. You know, um, and I've seen him spar with, with some big household names, you know, and he'll, he'll have a spar with them and then we'll, we'll drive back in the car from London or from Manchester or wherever it is. And, and he might not have got the, got the best of the spar or done as well as he thought, sort of he can do. But yeah. he'll go away and, and he will he will study that spar in his head for for the whole week. Um yeah. and he and, and he'll change things and he'll do things and then when he goes there again, guarantee you every time he is a completely different person and, and he will always adapt to the person he's got in front of him and he, he is way better than he gets credit for. Yeah, well he looks so I mean and what do you think now in terms of getting his credit? Because he was saying to me that he has sparred, as you mentioned, those top-class opponents, but hasn't always got the, the sort of just rewards in terms of money for it because of his profile. Do you feel now that this status, will that improve even things like his sparring work and stuff like that, that he'll, be get, he'll get better money for that? Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he, he will. Um, I think we're always going to be like the team that um, is having to prove ourselves. I think yeah. Lee Selby went through it as well. I think, I think Lee Selby was um, came up the same way. Um, mm. He he was put in with Stephen Smith. No one expected him to win, you know. He and he, and he blasted him out. Um, and a lot of it's almost like he's been set up to fail quite a lot. Mm. Um, and through sheer hard work and, and through through his, his talent and dedication, he's he's overcome those obstacles put in front of him. And and it's the same with Ruddy, you know. Yeah. When, when he was matched with um, Chris Jenkins, I had really respectable, um, you know, promoters and manager um, saying to me, you must be mad. I wouldn't put any of my kids in with Chris <laughs> Jenkins. He's, you know, he's a really dangerous fighter. And, yeah. But really has always, always wanted to fight the best. You mm. know, he's, he's never shied away from a challenge. He's always wanted to prove how good he is against the best. And, yeah, to be to be honest, when he fought Chris Jenkins, I was a little bit, you know, oh, I hope we can pull this off type of thing. Mm. Um, so he but, surprised you, did he? Really rose to the occasion. Yeah, it wasn't like he surprised me. It was just I knew that it, I knew Chris Jenkins was a very very good fighter, um, and even though the fight was stopped on a cut, anyone who anyone who was there will tell you that that fight was only going one way. You know, really mm. was um, well in control of it. Um, but you know the better the better the opponent, the better he is, and and he and he, he keeps proving that you know. And um, the Bose fight was was 
a little bit hard because he wanted to show everyone how good he was. Yeah. But I think the clash of styles. Um, well, they're quite similar in, in, in range, weren't they? They're sort of similar heights and, and this and range. Yeah. I mean, Philip Bowes, I think, knew that he couldn't match Reddy's work rate. So he, um, he did what he did, he thought was best to win the fight for him, which is, you know, you can't knock him for that. Um, but it didn't allow Reddy to, to really showcase what he can do. Yeah. Um, and when he does showcase what he can do, but people are going to step back and think, wow. Mm. Yeah, I think they will. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I was surprised by his, just how skinny he is because he's, so, he's tall, isn't he? He's not far off six feet and he's, he's fighting at 135 pounds. Do you think he'll stay there? Will he remain at that weight? Because with those advantages, he could be a real threat, couldn't he, to anyone around that division? You, you mentioned Ritson before, people at you know, domestic and, and European level. Yeah. Um, I think, like Lewis Ritson, is, is, a, is a great fighter. And I think if, you're, if somebody wants to stand in front of him and, and have, have a war he's going to give anybody a hard time. I don't think Red is right for him. I think Red is all wrong for him. Mm. Um, I think he really moves too much. He, he just think that certain fighters won't do well against certain styles. Mm. And, and I do think that Ritson is one of those people who would struggle with Red's style. He's always got that, that punch power where he can change things. Yeah. But, um, you know, certain, certain styles make certain fights and, I don't think I don't think Ritson is is the right opponent to do well against Riddy. Mm. I was up in Newcastle the night that, that Lewis Ritson challenged for the European title against Francisco Patera, and he kind of got outboxed on that night. I think it was an early body shot that hurt Ritson. That was part of the issue yeah. as well. But he didn't necessarily like the Patera. The, the Belgian was moving in and out and kind of caused him a few issues. And I suppose Marquez at the weekend that's a contentious result as well. But it's a stacked division, that isn't it? It really stays there, John. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's so many good fighters, um, and the, and a lot of them are. I mean, obviously you've got your Josh Taylor, who's head and shoulders yeah. past everybody else. So you've sort of got to not include him mm. in 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 this sort of conversation. Um, but there's so many other fighters there who are all capable of beating each other. I think. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of. You know, Robbie Davis is a, is a really good fighter. Sam Maxwell's a really good fighter. Um, you know, you've got a lot of you've got a lot of lads there. What I think on different nights could all do well with each other. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it depends on how well your training camp goes, how many injuries you've got in your training camp, um, who's gets a little bit of luck on the night. You know, there's so many things that go into. Um, a, a, a top level fighter performing on the night you know it's not just a case of do your hard training and and you turn up you know there's mm. so many different factors involved and um i think everyone needs that little bit of luck that things just go their way um as in training you know that you don't pick up any injuries that you know maybe stop you running or stop you sparring or um you know there's so many different things that can go wrong in the lead up to a fight the fighting's actually the easy bit um <laughs> It's what, getting, what, yeah, yeah. getting the fight on yeah. is the hard bit, isn't it? It's, it's really oh, getting it through training camps, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it's um, to to get up for the Bows fight, even though it's for the British and the Commonwealth. And I personally did believe it was going to happen the third time, but you know, when it's been cancelled twice before, yeah. You know, I think 
in the back of Riddy's mind, he was thinking, oh, is this fight going to even happen? Mm. Um, I think he was very sort of sceptical about, is it going to actually happen? I, I did think the last time, I thought the third time it's got, it's got to happen. Mm. But, you know, you've only got to see what happened with um, Jazza Dickens and um, one of the Savannah, Walsh brothers. Savannah, yeah, Savannah Marshall as well pulled out last week, didn't she? You know, they get, they get um, tested positive for COVID. They haven't got any symptoms so you know anything can go wrong mm. you just got to hope for the best a little bit you know at, at this moment in time yeah absolutely and i think it's interesting the ufc has standby fighters i think a guy called michael chandler is an understudy for the khabib justin gaethje fight coming up so it's, i wonder whether that's boxing could look at that maybe as having like a backup who comes in at the last minute but it's it is it's tricky logistically do. yeah so when you when you've had a training you know training camps are not cheap yeah. you know that it costs a lot of money for really am for myself you know um so what you know when something does you know so especially when something's getting cancelled at three o'clock in the afternoon on the day of the fight you know i know that's not very common but it would you know it would have been nice if we could have actually you know still got in the ring that night even, yeah even if it wasn't for the for, for the belt you know so just so he's it's not all, all for a waste yeah, and the fans get someone to watch as well. It's it's tricky time as well, isn't it, I suppose, John, for, for really getting those titles now because we were talking about being a gateway to getting possibly bigger promotional deals and stuff. But I suppose it's such a surreal time. You mentioned the pandemic that it's hard for, for anything business-wise to ignite at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's such a weird time. And, and because we haven't really been through anything like this, nobody's been through it. Mm. So, you know, I don't really read the papers. I don't watch telly or anything like that. But you know, everyone's doing their best, isn't they? You know, whether it's the government or the British Boxing Board, everyone's doing what they think is right. Whether it actually is the right thing or whether they're making mistakes, they can only do what they think is, is right at mm -hmm. the time. Um, so, you know, how's, it been for, is, how's it been for you, John, at the gym? Um, it's been a bit of a weird one. I mean, like, first of all, when the, the actual proper lockdown started, we didn't go out for probably a month mm. um stayed in didn't do anything just sort of chilled out really i enjoyed the rest to be honest yeah, um, yeah you know i work seven days a week i don't have any days off um so when we did have a bit of a break it was it was quite nice to just recharge a little bit mm. and then i'm not the type of person who can sit still for too long <laughs> So after a month, I was going to my gym and just doing a bit myself and just training on my own. And um, you know, Ridder's got keys to my gym, so he was going in and training as well. And mm. um, but you know, we had we had members who still kept paying through through the whole thing. Wow! Um, Fit on the really, fitness on the fitness side is that? What yeah, that I mean yeah. that that was really appreciated. It was um, it was um, you know it's nice to get. I mean, we got such a, an immense support from from our members as well. Who, the, 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 you know, we took 122 um, to uh, the stadium, stadium of light when he fought Glen Foot. You know, yeah. people, we got a really good um, support from the members, whether it's in anything that Jim does, really. So, really grateful for that. Um, but you know, there was the, the hard thing is like you know, some of the lower level pros who are still on the small hall shows. Um, then you've got um, you know the amateur boxers. Who, yeah. you know, my, my son is, he's, he's quite a decent amateur. And um, what's his name, John? Jay. Jay. Yeah. yeah. Trying to keep him 
motivated when he because all he wants to do is fight um but trying to keep him motivated to um keep training and keep focused and and not let himself go is quite difficult and i'm trying to say to him listen it's not about your next fight it's not about the fight after that it's about your future you know even if you even if you're not training as intense as you are you know he's only 15 but he he can still work on his strength and conditioning he he can still work on improving his skills um and to be fair he's lucky that he's got i mean the facility that i've got is quite a decent boxing gym yeah give give the name a shout out john just so we know it's a fight fight factory gym in gloucester yeah so he's lucky that he's got all that at his disposal but um you know what was I like at 15 years old? So, <laughs> how, you know, how, be... how difficult is it coaching your son, though? That's a, that's a tricky balance, isn't it? Quite difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's very close to his mum. Mm. So, I, I'm sort of like the, the um, bad guy sometimes. <laughs> and I am probably quite hard to live with because all I do is boxing. Like, my whole life revolves around boxing. Probably all I talk about is boxing. Um, and I am quite, quite hard on him. But how, I how know, you, what led you to boxing then? Because you mentioned that Gloucester's a rugby city. And I think even people who follow football feel a bit like outsiders in, in, in Gloucester. But what's it like being a boxing man? Where did that seed grow from for you? Um, I've always been aggressive. Always got into like trouble when I was um, young. Mm. Um, I had quite a, quite a turbulent childhood um, mm. from about the age of 11 sort of uh my best mate got um killed in a uh, car accident so that was you know that was quite i was quite an angry little kid um and i can remember getting in trouble for fighting at school and you know one of the teachers saying oh you need to go to a boxing gym and let your aggression out my dad was friends with um a former olympian a guy called dave simmons Mm. and um he took me along to his boxing gym and that's where it all started, really. But back in those days, it was, I can remember getting in, going to the gym and sparring the very night that I, I turned up at the gym. Really? And yeah, like there was no sort of training you know, like that now. You know, we sort of look after the kids a bit more. But, you know, I was thrown in at the deep end and I, I got absolutely battered probably every time I went there for, for about three months and then, you know, started turning things around a little bit. Was, um, was, Johnny, was Johnny Melfer boxing in Gloucester at that time? Um, he was probably just finishing around. He was part, I think he was actually in London under Billy Aird at the oh, time okay. I started. But, but Johnny Melfer was sort of the generation before me. Yeah. And the, gen, and the generation before me in Gloucester was, oh, they had something like 12 boxers on the England squad. You know, wow. you, had, you had like Johnny Melfer, Johnny Williamson, you had the Purcell brothers who were... Um, were all like really, really good. You had Nick Malosha, Mark Singh, but mm. they were all, you know, Gloucester was same, really same fine. Age, yeah. And and then my generation was sort of not quite as um, prevalent as, as the previous generation. Um, but boxing back in those days, you know, the first club I went to, we didn't have, even have a ring. You know, <laughs> we had to spar in between um, a, a, like a, just a row of like chairs and stuff. Wow, and um, you know the facilities that we had to deal with. We had to put the bags up, take the bags down. Um, you know what they've got now is is just unbelievable. You know, I would say my gym is probably better 
than probably some African national teams, gyms. Wow. You know, like you got, you know, some of the third world countries where they come over for the Commonwealth Games and stuff like that. Mm. You know, they probably don't even train in a facility that I've got. So the kids who are coming in, my gym's open all day, every day. So, yeah. you know, like I didn't really do very well at school. Um, they let me have a punch bag in the gym and I just sort of trained on my own most of the time. But, um, <laughs> you know, if, if I'd have had access to, to my gym back in the day, I'd have been in there all day, every day. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's important for parents to hear that because you're a father, you know, encouraging your son to get into boxing. And I think people worry about it, but actually I never boxed. So I think maybe it would have helped to a lot of that sort of teenage energy and, and angst. But actually, I think for so many stories and so many boxers you hear from, it makes such a difference. I mean, you might know Adam Harper, boxer in Shakespeare. Yeah. He, works with, yeah. he works with young men who've been in trouble with, with the law now up in, I think, Birmingham. And he said that it makes a real impact in, in their lives. You can see them getting more discipline more respect. It's counterintuitive, isn't it, John, that actually the violence of boxing makes these men a lot more civilised often. So I actually trained Adam Harper for his first uh, couple of pro fights Ah, um, when he he first turned over. And, you know, Adam's, um, he's, he's you know, doing a good job with with the young kids like that, you know, and um, he's got, he's got a good head on his shoulders to Mm. be able to, you know, advise people as well, because, you know, some of these kids just have got you know, like no direction at all. You get kids come into my gym and some of them have got no discipline at all. The only mm. place that they get told you ain't doing that or you're doing this is, is in the gym. And you can see some of them need it as well. Like, you yeah. know, and, Sometimes it's a lack um, of attention, isn't it? It's not good for parents to not discipline or whoever's the, the, the carer because actually you think you're being nice, but kids need a direction, I think. But I think as well, like, I mean, sometimes we, it's easy to blame parents, but, mm. you know, when I was, um, when I was young, you know, and I was sort of off the rails, I, I wouldn't have told my parents what was going on anyway. I mean, my no. dad was, um, you know, my dad did his best, you know, we didn't really get much um, good life advice from him um, because he, he was all for, you know, partying and, you know, he, he lived his life how he, how he, thought it was best and he did his best by me and my brother but the actual advice that I got when I look back on it now wasn't great mm. um, and you know you want to be there for some of these kids because even though the, the advice I got wasn't great my dad was still there for me yeah. um, so some of these kids have got have got nobody there for them you know and they haven't got um, they're not told by anybody that they're good at anything you know, and some of these kids have got, you know, they not, may not be world beaters when they walk in the gym, but to just be able to encourage them and, and then, yeah. then realise that they can be part of something. Self-respect, is, is self-respect, isn't it, I think? And, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and boxing is, is a great place because it's not a sport where you need a, you need a lot of money to start. Um, you know, you can walk in off the street with pretty much nothing and most boxing gyms, will sort of help you out mm. as long as you show that you listen and then, and that you want it. You know, if you want to train it hard and you want to better yourself and, and you listen to your coaches, then most boxing clubs will, will, will help you out. You know, if you're the type of kid who thinks he knows it all, um, it doesn't listen, you're not going to last very long at all. 
Yeah. I recorded a podcast with Johnny Nelson, former World Cruiserweight champion yesterday. And he's a friend from working at Sky Sports. And he always talks about Brendan Ingalls, Jim, not just for his career that came, because he wasn't actually very good at boxing, he said, when he first started. But he just loved it. He went there to make friends and to, and to get some sort of defense skills and just a sense of self-respect and, and confidence it gave him a real sort of belief in himself eventually and, and Brendan was a real father figure to him which I, I I'm getting that you are with that with with Riddy how difficult is it to manage your time and energy because you've got the grassroots guys you've got the fitness gym as well you've got Riddy who I suppose is, is trailblazing away really successful in the pro ranks but you have to balance everything out don't you and give everyone attention yeah it's difficult but I've got a good team of coaches at the gym um Scott Gibbons who's um helps me with the pro side you know he does a lot of work with Riddy and with um, Shabir and Max the other pros um, he's a brilliant coach um, he does a lot of work with the young kids of the, with the amateur side um, also Austin um, helps out with, with the um, with the kids on the amateur side as well we've also got Michael Biggs who's a former pro yeah um, he's he's come down he's helping out now as well um, so it's, so thri- it's thriving. Your kids are coming in, are they, John? You feel like it's on the up boxing in the. In the know, I'm turning. I've got to turn kids away at the moment. Um, wow. I could get. I could get loads more kids in. But what I want to do is, um, I want to do like um, I've tried to get it off the ground before with local schools. But you know, you've got some PE teachers who are brilliant and they're absolutely on board for it. Others mm-hmm. that not much help. Um, I want to get say three kids from each school um, recommended by their PE teachers to be invited to do like an open day mm. at the gym and we would offer say two or three kids from out of the whole of the schools in Gloucester um, like free training for, yeah. for the rest of their boxing time amazing if, if they want to commit is that kids, think, kids are having difficulties you think with no, not, yeah, I mean, yeah, with kids with difficulties or just, or just anyone really, anyone in general, but they got to want a box and they've got to want to do well. Um, not interested in kids who, you know, you get some kids in and they, you say, right, 10 press-ups and they're like, I can't do a press-up. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got a lad who comes in my gym who's, who's blind, oh. he's deaf, and you stand him in front of a punch bag and, and you show him by feel where the punch bag is and he'll stand there for half an hour hitting the punch bag. Wow. Um, so when a kid tells me I can't do 10 press-ups, I ain't interested. Mm. You know, like, the, the, I think there's, there's far too many wet wipes in society these days. Not much um, PE in school, though, is there, John? As well? I think that is an issue, that they're not doing enough physical stuff. Yeah, I, 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 think, that, I think that there's lack of PE in school. I think there's lack of choice. Um, like, being from a rugby city, uh, my mm. son w- w- was at a secondary school all they were interested in was in playing rugby. Yeah. Now, Jay is currently 15 years old and weighs 56 kilos. Yeah. There's kids in his year who, who are over 15 stone. Mm. So one of those kids clatters into Jay playing rugby. Yeah. That's his boxing yeah. finish. And, and boxing's decided on weight. Boxing's fair in that sense, isn't it? Because it is divided on weight, si- weight limits rather than age groups, which could be massively different in size. And I know, you know, if he enjoyed rugby, it's a completely different story. If he wanted to play, then that's up to him. But he, he's not something he really enjoys anyway. So, you know, I spoke to the school and said, you know, I want him to do an alternative, whether he just send him out running around the school pitch or whatever. And, you know, they weren't interested. Um, all they're interested in is 
rugby, rugby. So um, in the end, he, ended, he, he gets homeschooled now and um, he, he trains at the gym and he does his, you know, PE either at the gym or he, he goes to a strength and conditioning coach and he, and he gets um, his education through um, someone coming into the gym. Good. But, um, and it can you know, complement, it can help the education as well, can't it? Because it can give that discipline, timekeeping, you say, and that sort of that goal setting and sense of, of incremental gain that can help them even in learning English and maths and whatever it might be. Well, I, to be honest with you, I, I was rubbish at school. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I was always like told, oh, you're not as good as your brother. And like, to be fair, I was um, quite lively. So, um, <laughs> you know, I didn't get on. I, I, I got kicked out of school when I was like 15, I think. Um, but I didn't have anyone to, I think there was no alternative. They weren't, in, I was the kid who messed around, they weren't interested. Mm. Um, so, you know, find out at 18, 20 years old that you're slightly dyslexic. So that sort of answers a lot of questions why, uh. why I couldn't, couldn't do some of the stuff. But, you know, it was sort of like unheard of. You didn't even, they didn't even know what that was back in those days. No. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, but I don't want Jay to spend the last two years of his life um, in education, not learning anything, being in isolation all the time. Mm. So by taking him out of school, he gets quality time with, with his tutor. He's actually learning something. So, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, it's not a waste of time. Yeah. Um, you know, in the, the school's not for everybody. You know, the school that Jay was at, I've got these amazing sports facilities that he wasn't allowed to use. Mm. Um, you know, he's learning. He's learning to um, sort of about reciting Shakespeare. Wow! You know, he he can't he can't string a sentence together, mm. but it, but it, but they're learning about Shakespeare. You know, and so yeah, I, it just don't make sense to me. What? So. It's funny, my, my dad's a doctor and he went to boarding school as a kid, but he could, he's basically dyslexic. He's realised later on, but he couldn't do any learning through reading and writing, but he had to start memorising sort of teachers and, and at university, at medical school, like what the lecturers were saying. So I think it is a challenge, isn't it? Sometimes, like you say, when, you, when it was misunderstood in those days, it's, it's hard. It's really weird because I, I always knew that something wasn't right. Um, you know, if I, I read quite a lot of books and some, sometimes I'll have to read a paragraph like five or six times yeah just before it goes in and um i always knew you know times you get called some of the teachers say oh you're thick and all that and you know they wouldn't get away with that sort of thing in these days but um like back in those days i, I knew that i wasn't thick but i just couldn't i didn't know why i couldn't do some of the stuff mm. and it was it was frustrating and i think because i was probably frustrated so I wasn't really engaged with the work. That's why I messed around. Once you get, um, once you get a sort of name for messing around, you know, you don't get the chances to, you know, why, why would they spend their time on me anyway? So yeah. um, it's a bit of a vicious, well, it was a bit of a vicious circle. I'm sure it's better these days. Yeah, and it's great that boxing helps you. and you, Your passion for it is impressive. Would you recommend it to older people as well who are looking to keep fit and just call, maybe not you know serious sparring but just coming down and doing the fitness side of it we get people in my gym you know i've got a, i've got a guy um jeff who's a bit of a bit of a legend in the gym to be honest he's like pushing 60 now <laughs> and um you know he, he comes in every day and trains um he doesn't spar or anything like that but it's not 
it's, it's a great place, the gym is for all ages, um, young and old. You just got to make sure that people are not doing any more than um, is healthy for them. You know, you got to make sure that, because so, some people don't know when to stop. Um, so you have to make sure that it's safe. Yeah. Um, and, they're, and they're not overdoing it. But, you know, it's a great place where if you've got some sort of troubles going on in your life, whether it's from your missus or from, you know, whatever, really. <laughs> or your husband. Could be a woman coming down, couldn't it, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, we got people from all walks of life in the gym, from, from criminals to police to everybody in between. Yeah. And there's a big sign on the door of my gym that says, leave your ego at the door. Mm. And that's what people, people come in and, you know, you've got people like Riddy, who was a little street kid, um, meeting policemen. <laughs> and that's the only place that is neutral that they would have ever met. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, both sides realise, hang on a minute, you know, they're not as bad as I thought they were. Yeah, my, and, father, my father-in-law was a cop and he, he used to go and uh, boxing train as well, actually, which is, he would have missed but, your but, circles, yeah. But it makes people realise that, you know, there's, there's people who've been in the gym who've given, been able to give out legal advice to some of the young, the young fighters. Um, if you need a boiler fitted, there's somebody who can do that. <laughs> If you need your car fixed, there's somebody you can do that, you know, and, and the gym is full of different people from different backgrounds. Most of them are never going to be fighters, but they all support the fighters as well. Yes. You know, whether some, some of them are generous enough to, to sponsor the boxers to help them with, you know, their medicals, with um, their, their kit for training, awesome. you know, and it's, it's just a, it's a massive um, community spirit in there. Yeah, that is fantastic to hear. Mark our cards then on a few fighters that are coming through, John, that we should look out for. Obviously, you've got Riddy, but Max Mudway's there as well, isn't he? I know he's... he's so you've got, yeah, you've got, Max, you've got Max Mudway. Um, he's, um, he's, I think, 4-0 and at the moment. Mm. Uh, maybe 4-5-0. and he's, he's very good. Um, so hopefully, he'll probably have a six or eight rounder next, and then we'll be pushing for him to get eliminators. Um, you've got um, Shabir Hadri, who's um, a refugee from Afghanistan. Wow. Um, this kid is so talented, it's unreal. Mm. Um, he, he's so tough and he's already won an um, uh, amateur development championship. Um, he beat the current elite ABA champion, um, who's, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he, he's another Afghan kid who's under Frank Warren. Okay, um, yeah. He's um, he got massive hopes for him. Um, we've got um, my son, Jay. We've got, um, he's, uh, I, I would hope that Jay would be somewhere around the top level amateurs in the next couple of years. We've got Josh mm. Harris. Um, again, same sort of um, weight, as, uh, weight as Jay, same age as Jay. He's, he's also really good. Um, we, we've got, you know, some really um, some really good lads in the gym. Jim's buzzing. It's just a shame that, you know, we can't... You know, the pro lads are all right for sparring. Their training could pretty much go on as normal, to be honest. But, mm. you know, with the amateurs, it is yeah. so hard to keep, to keep the kids um, interested when yeah. they can't do pads, you can't do sparring, you know. Because of distancing and COVID, COVID, yeah. yeah. We are trying. Like, yeah. I'm not going to lie, you know, it's not as good as it should be the whole time. Um, but it is difficult in a boxing gym to keep everybody two metres apart all the time. Yeah. Um, for some of the kids, you know, for my son, for instance, 
he can train pretty much as normal because he can do pads with me because we're mm. from the same household. Mm. Um, Josh Harris is um, Andy Harris's son. Andy mm. Harris is quite a well-known journeyman. Mm. Um, Box O'Hara Davis, Luke Campbell, you name wow. it, he's been in with, yeah. with everyone. Yeah. So, you know, for Josh as well, he can still do pads with his dad. But for a lot of the other kids who can't, it is pretty frustrating. And, you know, it's sort of like caught between a rock and a hard place because what's worse, the thought of the risk of catching um, COVID, COVID for a, y- that, a young person, yeah, yeah, that, that might not have any effects on you, or um, mm. or you know, not coming to the gym and, and getting into trouble doing things you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, mental health and physical health. Yeah, it's a difficult. It's a really difficult time. Well, John, look, I really appreciate speaking to us, and I had to come down to the fight factory when things are more relaxed, and we'll record something in person and, and see the setup. Cause I'd love to do that. And yeah, that'd be awesome. Bring Johnny yeah. Nelson with you. <laughs> well, he's in, he's based in Sheffield, so I'll have to drag him down. I'm from I'm obviously yeah, in Sheffield, yeah. but that would be great to to have that. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's well. He'll be following Riddy's story, I'm sure, and you know maybe he'll get to fight again on Sky Sports. That'd be fantastic as well. So yeah, I look forward to that. But John, I really appreciate your time. It's an inspiring story. And a, you know, great work not only with Riddy but all the guys there. And the, the important work in the community because, as you say, there's a lot of people who, who lack sort of direction, and I think boxing can give them that. And you're putting so much time and energy in, mate. So great work for the local community, and, and we'll we'll speak soon. Okay, thanks very much. Cannot wait to go down to the Fight Factory, actually see the scene down there. Haven't been in a boxing gym for a while. Used to go down and interview fighters there a lot, of course. And uh, always compelling places and just places of work and socialising community. And I think John's doing a fantastic job by all accounts in Gloucester. Appreciate Matt Davis for hooking me up with John, who is sort of publicity agent. I'm not sure the right, correct title for Matt, who works with Really Really Rival, who's John's chief charge, I suppose, on paper. But as he says there, he's got several boxers coming through that I will keep an eye out for, but more importantly, that work in the community to help people, youngsters who are wayward, difficulties at school, difficulties with family, difficult with friendship groups, getting into trouble. It's a huge um, positive, I think, and it's interesting. There's been statistics and studies in London when they've run boxing programs, particularly in East London, I remember, saying that crime in the local area went down with that. So a lot to be said, you know, we're all tethered to a desk at the moment, aren't we? And I think doing kind of Zoom calls and team schools but actually youngsters need to be given a focus for that energy and I always remember that streets line the band of streets you know geezers need excitement and if their lives don't provide it then they incite violence and it's a, a, a glib thing to say perhaps but it, it resonates I think with young men in particular and young women as we're seeing with the, the sort of rise of mixed martial arts female fighters and boxers female boxers that it's a big outlet for, for a lot of women as well a big confidence boost a big source of self-respect and uh self-worth so i think it's a it's a great work that john's doing down there i hope you like that thank you to the sponsors of the podcast bang olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations and as the winter cold set in the seasonal flus and everything the coughs then do remember the cytoplan code if you want to use my discount code at cytoplan.co.uk which is a supplement company we've been using as a family for two decades under the stewardship of my father. The new code at cytoplan.co.uk is DRAPER10. So all capital letters, DRAPER, D-R-A-P-E-R, one zero, then a capital R. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you do enjoy these guys, please let me know, Ed Draper 81 on Twitter, Ed underscore Draper 81 on Instagram, or you can uh, rate it on iTunes, which is always fantastic, or whichever platform you're listening to it, because I know that through its home on an anchor, 
podcast. It now goes out to iTunes and a myriad of different platforms where people listen to podcasts. So please spread the word and share it as well. And I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. Thank you, guys. Have a great week and goodbye for now.